You are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. It means that as you hear, it imparts something into your spirit. It does something to you that nothing else can do to you. Paul understood that. And he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, because this gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That means if there's something I'm supposed to do with the gospel is to believe it. Hallelujah. But I cannot believe it if I don't hear it. So how the believing happens is by exposing myself to hear. And this evening, what you're doing is that you're exposing yourself to hear. And by hearing, believing will happen. And by believing, salvation will happen. No, when the Bible talks about salvation, most of the time people think about salvation as just someone receiving Christ Jesus. Let's look at this Romans 1.16 together. One to go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means what produces salvation in your life is the gospel. Hallelujah. And salvation here is not just talking about a man receiving Christ. Salvation here is talking about God's help. Hallelujah. God's protection. God's healing. God's blessing. That means that everyone that believes... It is the power of God unto healing for that one that believes. It is the power of God unto divine protection to the one that believes. It is the power of God unto blessing to the one that believes. It means that wherever you are, that any kind of saving is needed. Any kind of rescue is needed. The gospel is God's ability to rescue you. That means, you know, how you can be on the streets and then you see a siren coming, um, a, a vehicle with a siren coming, and you say, oh, the governor is coming. Or the president is coming. Why? Because you saw the siren. You've not seen the governor yet. You've not seen the president yet. But something has gone ahead that makes you know that he should be the one. In the same way, anytime you hear the gospel, God is coming. Amen. Amen. Salvation is coming. Amen. Amen. Healing is coming. Amen. Amen. Miracles are coming. Blessings are coming. Amen. When you understand that, you will already be excited that the gospel is being preached. You know why? Because there are some people seated here that are saying, let them just pray for me. Let them just touch me. Let them just heal me. 
let them just deliver me hey i am delivering you right now as i'm speaking your greatest excitement should be in the message that brings the deliverance praise the lord jesus had multitudes and the bible says they came to hear and to be healed. They came to hear and to be healed. That means that the healing they received came as they were hearing. So as you are hearing, your healing is coming. Hallelujah. As you are hearing, your victory is coming. In essence, the scripture is saying, by hearing, we are receiving. Praise God. Are we together? By hearing, we are receiving. Once Jesus made a statement, he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, in your hearing. How is that possible? How can the scriptures be fulfilled in your hearing? Meaning that as you are hearing, it is happening to you. What you are hearing starts happening to you. Look at your neighbor and say, what I will hear tonight is what will happen to me tonight. Glory to God. So some of you will hear miracles. And then what will happen to you tonight? Some of you will hear healing. What will happen to you tonight? But you know something? Jesus represents all of that. The name Jesus means Savior. The one that saves. The one that helps. The one that delivers. And concerning you this evening, he will answer his name. You didn't hear me well. I said he will answer his name. Amen. You know, there's this old song we used to sing. I know his name. I know his name. His name is wonderful. I know his name. Do you know his name? Yes, I know his name. I know his name. His name is wonderful. Let's call a name you want to see. I know his name. I know his name. His name. Now, whatever you expect him, call him that name. I know his name. I know his name. His name. Two more times. I know his name. I know his name. His name. I know. One more time. Whatever you call him, I know his name. I know his name. What's his name? His name. I know his name. Jesus is the embodiment. Of every name that any human knew God as. Whether he knew him as provider, 
healer, all sufficient one, all of that is packaged in one person. And his name is Jesus. Today I want to continue on Christ our Passover. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song again. I know his name. I know his name. His name. Are you calling him your name? I know his name. The name you are calling him is how you want him to manifest tonight. Oh, his name. Oh, his, his name, name is provider. Hey! I know. I he was sold for you in that way. I know. I know. His name is healer. will escape this meeting and no growth will escape this meeting no infirmity will escape this meeting the power of God is in the atmosphere the Bible says as he was teaching the power of the Lord was present to heal Burdens are rolled away. You will rise up from this meeting and you will feel lighter. Why? The burdens have been rolled away. He said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He didn't say you will earn it. He said, no, no, it's a gift. I will give it to you. If you come, he will give. Say, I have come. So what will he do? If you come, he will give. Have you come? He is giving as I'm speaking. 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 If you come, he will give. You are sick. If you come, he will give. Things have been upside down. If you come, he will give. You are confused. If you come, he will give. We have come and he is giving. We have come and he is giving. We have come and he is giving. Whoa, glory. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For my yoke is easy. And my body is light. They said you will find rest for your soul.
whatever you are looking for under the anointing of the Holy Ghost may you find it what are you whatever you've been searching for this year 2018 under the anointing of the Spirit that is available tonight may you find it yesterday's sicknesses are being healed in the name of Jesus please be seated first Corinthians 5 verse 7 In the book of 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, Pour you out the old living. Now you may be a new lump as ye are living, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Let's read it together. Want to go? Touch out therefore the old living that you may be a new lump as ye are unliving. For even Christ what's Christ? Our Passover. Is what? Is sacrificed 
for us. The scripture didn't say Christ our Passover just died or something happened to him. He said he's sacrificed. Now if he just said he's sacrificed, it was a blessing already to us. But he said he's sacrificed for us. For us means you and me. So he said he's sacrificed for me. He said Christ is my Passover. And he sacrificed for me. You know, in the Bible, we have the portion referred to as the Old Testament. And we have the portion referred to as the New Testament. The Old Testament is Christ concealed while the New Testament is Christ revealed. It means that both the old and new are all Christ. Hallelujah. In the old, Christ is in types and shadows while in the new We see him as he is. And so most of the time, what you see here, where Paul begins to talk about Christ as our Passover, he's revealing what was already in the Old Testament, but was concealed. Hallelujah. Because every Jew knows about Passover. At least I'd heard about Passover, practice Passover for several years. It's a yearly feast. As a matter of fact, when you find in scriptures, in the first five books of the Bible, especially in Leviticus, it talks about some feast. Everybody say feast. Annual feast that the Jews were supposed to practice. Yearly, annually, yearly. And there were seven of such feasts. You could find that in Leviticus 23 from verse 2. There were seven of such feasts. And some of the Jews religiously practiced these things. Followed through with them without understanding what it was pointing to. And so, Paul is taking us back to tell us, hey, those feasts, this is what they mean. Hallelujah. And there's so much to learn from what the feast represents. So, if you read Leviticus 23, you'll find this feast listed out. It starts with the feast of Passover. Everybody say the feast of Passover, which is our focus for this evening. And then he goes on to talk about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Which is the second feast. And then he talks about the Feast of First Fruit. Which is the third feast. After that, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost as you know it. 
After that, the Feast of Trumpets. That's number what? Five? Five. Then the sixth one is also known as the Day of Atonement. Hallelujah. And then the seventh one is the Feast of Tabernacles. All these feasts were not just religious events. It was God's way of preaching the gospel to the Jews. Amen. Are we together? The feast foreshadow the death and resurrection of Christ. They symbolize the whole drama of redemption from start to finish. You can even use the feast to understand God's calendar or program for the world. Hallelujah. So it starts with Passover and ends with the last one, Tabernacles. And today, 2018, where we are, four of the feasts have happened. We're waiting for the remaining three. The remaining three are the Feast of Trumpets, which symbolizes the rapture of the church. The next one, the atonement, which has to do with the children of Israel. And then the last one, tabernacles. And we shall be with the Lord ever and ever and ever and ever. I'm just summarizing. That's what we're waiting for. But where we are now, we are in the Feast of Weeks. You know when that feast started? On the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2. That's when the feast started. And we're still in that feast. Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to show you is that the seven feasts are, will I call them, it shows us where we are in the timeline of God's program for the world. But the first feast and the feast that makes every other one make sense is the feast of Passover. And then Paul said, Christ is our Passover. Hallelujah. And he was sacrificed for us. The Jews know what Passover is. Hallelujah. It's a feast that they eat. Let's look at Exodus chapter 12. So we just read maybe from verse 1 to 8 and look at the feast. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your, your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel 
shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts or on the upper door posts of the house, houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Let me stop there. Hallelujah. Now this was the feast. Praise God. So what does all of that mean? If Paul said Christ is our Passover, it meant that whatever they were doing there was Christ concealed. Amen. So how does it apply to you and I today? What is the message in that Passover feast? In that Passover meal? How does it point to Christ? Today we'll focus on the specifications of the Lamb. Amen. Because there were specifications. Alright? About the Lamb. There was a focus on the Lamb. In short, the whole feast, the major thing is the Lamb. Hallelujah. So, there were specifications of the Lamb. If Christ is our Passover, the specifications of the Lamb will also line up with who Christ is. Amen. If it doesn't, then Christ is not our Passover. Amen. So let's examine seven specifications of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Alright? The first thing we see, let's go back to the beginning of the verse. I will use Exodus 12 and be explaining, we'll go around the Bible from Exodus 12. Amen. The first thing we see Let's look at verse 3 to 5. It says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. Every say a lamb. That means there must be a lamb. Hallelujah. Now, understand that the Passover is a ceremony. Are we together? Are we together? Everything they are doing, the eating, the putting of the blood on the doorpost, all of it is part of the fast. A Passover ceremony. Are we together? Alright, so there must be a lamb. A lamb. Read 4 and 5. It now says, and the household, if the household be too little for the lamb, he didn't say some can use a chicken. <laughs> he didn't say some can use a turtle dove. He didn't say some can use a cat. He said, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. It must be a lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. So there is no lamb dog. It's a lamb. Amen. Are you getting the picture? He insisted it must be a lamb. Now, if Christ is our Passover, is there any scripture that proves that Christ in any way represents or epitomizes a lamb. Hallelujah. Because he must be a lamb. So if Paul is saying Christ is a Passover, oh, okay, was Christ a lamb? Amen. <laughs> and there are scriptures that confirm scriptures. Hallelujah. 
You know, there is no book in the world that validates itself like the Bible. Amen. Are we together? Did you hear me? I said there is no book in the world that validates itself like the Bible. Scriptures validate scriptures. Hallelujah. The scriptures prove scriptures. And that's why you might have heard me say severally, you know, you say, oh, the Bible is a book of God. No, he's the God of books. Read your Bible. Amen. Jesus said, search the scriptures. John 5, 39. For in them you think you might have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. That means in those writings, Christ is revealed. Amen. So, God said it must be a lamb. Then Isaiah, in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 53 is where you have the scripture about the suffering Messiah, you know, and Isaiah 53, verse 7 specifically, talks about this Messiah, the attitude, the nature of this Messiah. Hallelujah. He says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet... He did not protest. Amen. He opened not his mouth. This lamb is not an aluta conscious lamb. This lamb is a lamb that is oppressed and afflicted but opens not his mouth. He does not resist. Amen. Because the lamb, he is made to be sacrificed. Amen. Are you understanding me? So the Bible says, let's read the scripture together. I want to go. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought us a lamb, hallelujah, to the slaughter. That means that how you will know this Messiah is that when they are bringing him, he's not going to be shouting, I'm not going to agree. Or jump down from the car and not go with them. <laughs> he will willingly go with them. Amen. I don't know why you are laughing. But I'm talking about Jesus. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He knows they're going to kill him, but he's still going with them. And as a sheep before her sharers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah had spoken long about this. Then, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist made a bold declaration. He saw Jesus coming. And he said, let's read that part together. Behold. Take that part again. Who was saying that? Amen. 
John was the one saying so. Meaning that this Jesus is a lamb. Hallelujah. Am I complicating? He's a lamb. He's a lamb because Isaiah said, how you will know him is that when they will take him, he will not resist. Remember when they were taking Jesus and John, um, Peter was trying to behave like a Niger dental militant? And Jesus said, hey, you think if I want to leave this place, I cannot call for 12 legions. Amen. That means I can't, but I won't. Are you listening to me? I am not willingly going because I am helpless. I am on a mission. Hallelujah. A mission to save, what's your name? No, no, you didn't hear me. A mission to save a mission to heal. A mission to deliver. A mission to protect. So willingly. That means that when Jesus was taken as a lamb. He was willingly going. Because he was taking your place that was guilty. Amen. So the first specification for the lamb was for, for the Passover is that it must be a lamb. And then the scriptures say that Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth. Then John said, behold, look at him, the lamb of God. John said that twice. The first one we read was 29. Go to verse 36. Verse 36, the same chapter. He said it again. He said, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, behold the Lamb of God. Amen. Say, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Say again, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Now, this is a message on his own, but because I'm on a path, I will let it go. Amen. But perhaps I should just whisper something. You know, most of the time when we talk about Jesus as the Lamb of God, many people don't understand it. They don't understand it because you are in a generation where you don't make sacrifices for your own sin with lambs. Under the old covenant, every human being had to have a lamb or lambs or animals to make sacrifices for their sins. If you, if you read even the scripture we're reading in Exodus, Every man had to provide a lamb for himself. Amen. No, what I said to myself, I said, man, that means sin is expensive. Hallelujah. Because, you know, you always have to have a lamb. Glory to God. You really had to be wealthy <laughs> to keep up with the demands of sin. Praise God. And so all humans brought their lambs. You can imagine if we're having service now. Alright? You're not just supposed to come like that. Your lamb should be somewhere outside. Then the resident butcher. Amen. Which is female. The resident butcher now will be outside checking your lambs. Amen. And then slaughtering them. 
and splash him. There'll be blood all over the parkway or the, the car park. Are you understanding me? That was the kind of sacrifice. And you had to do it regularly. Then for the nation, they had to do it every year. But Jesus is the one that God himself brought for you. He is called the Lamb of... Now, Lamb of God means the Lamb that God brought. So that you will not bring a Lamb again. The sacrifice that God provided. So that you will not have to provide a sacrifice for yourself. Was it not true that Abraham said God will provide himself a lamb? And he was speaking about the fact that in your time, you will enjoy the lamb that God has provided. Tap your neighbor and say, God has provided a lamb. Jesus is that lamb. Amen. So, God has provided a lamb. And some of you are still trying to bring your own lamb. And your lamb is worthless. Because his lamb is everything. So the first specification concerning Passover is that it must be a lamb. Let's look at Exodus 12. And um, let me bring out the second one. Verse 3 and 6. Verse 3 and 6. Verse 3 says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day, so I want to bring out the second specification. In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. What day? What's the day? What's the day? Tenth. Tenth. One, zero. Number ten. Look at verse six. Verse six now says, And you shall keep that lamb until what? The fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So, any lamb you want to offer must be brought on the tenth day of the first month. And it must be kept for four days. Hallelujah. Why is it kept for four days? There are many reasons. One of them is that that's the period where they are checking to be sure that the lamb meets all the specifications. That there's no, no fault, no flaw in the lamb that you brought. So it has to come. You have to bring it on the 10th day and keep it there for four days. It will surprise you to know in John chapter 12 verse 1 and some other scriptures that confirm one, Luke 19, 28, John 12 verse 1, Mark 11 and all of that. It tells us, let's just read John 12 1. I'll just show you something. Where, then six days before the Passover um, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, from um, whom he raised from the dead. Now, the scripture tells us that, I could just jump ahead of myself to say, Jesus entered Jerusalem four days before the Passover. Because he was the lamb. The lamb has to be four days in preparation. Now, six days before the Passover, he came to a place called Bethany. That's where Mary and Martha were staying. And um, he was there. He entered Jerusalem and came back. 
and then entered again, which was the fourth day. Hallelujah. I'm, I'll give you all the scriptures so you could do that on your own. Let me just rush. John 12, 1. You could read down. Luke 19, 28. Mark 11, 11, 12, and 13. Amen. And there's one in Matthew. Amen. Now, what that shows us, and for some of you that are Bible scholars, um, I, am, I believe that the writings of uh, Finney's, Jennings, Dix, what you call the Dix Annotated Bible, um, he was very specific about that, explaining it was four days. Amen. Exactly four days to the Passover, Jesus came into Jerusalem. Amen. He came in twice. That was the second time he came in. Amen. Four days. Because the lamb has to be available for Passover four days before Passover. This is the second proof that Jesus Christ is the lamb. Amen. The third specification that was given about the lamb we'll find that in Exodus 12 verse 5 I love that one a lot. Exodus 12 verse 5. Are you there? It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish. The third specification is what? It shall be without what? You know what blemish means? One eye should not be blind. The, the lamb cannot be limping. He cannot have a broken bone. The lamb cannot have fever. Are you understanding me? Every path of its body has to be complete. It can't be sick. Nothing must be wrong with the lamb. It's a lamb without blemish. A male of the first year. Amen. And what were we told about Jesus? Let's look at Luke 23. I'll read verse 4, 14, and 22. Luke 23, 4, 14, and 22. Pilate, when they brought Jesus, this was Jesus before he died. Pilate, they brought him like to court. What are the scriptures I gave you? 4, 14, and 22. Now listen to it. Three times. They brought Jesus to Pilate. And Pilate said the same thing. That means high court, <laughs> appeal court, supreme court, the verdict was the same. Look at what Pilate said here. Let's read together. I want to go. Then Pilate, then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. He couldn't, there was no fault, no blemish. Amen. I find no fault in this man. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. 14. Verse 14. Said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. Behold, I have examined him before you. Have found again what? No fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. Appeal court has spoken. Let's find out what the Supreme Court said. Amen. Verse 22. Glory to God. A third time. They brought Jesus again. The matter of Jesus again. Look at it. 
Read it with me. And he said unto them, The third time. Why, what, why? What evil had he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Hey, of course, they didn't agree. Amen. What it shows is that Jesus was without blemish. Do you know nobody could even come and say, Ha! He collected bread from my store. He has not paid. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> ah, he loaded like 1,500 recharge card. He has not paid. No blemish. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Proving that Jesus made that specification as the lamb without blemish. Go there. For God had made him to be seen for us who knew no sin? Jesus knew no sin. I said Jesus knew no sin. That means Jesus knew no sin. He was not suffering because he sinned. No, he knew no sin. That we might be made righteous of God in him. So this scripture is saying that he was without blemish. That Jesus was without what? Blemish. Let me just give you two more. Hebrews 4 verse 15. Hebrews 4 verse 15. Let's read it. One to go. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet. Now, I want you to think of all the temptations you've ever had. Not the ones today. All the ones you've ever had. Now, do you know what the scripture is saying? That the same way you have been tempted, Jesus was tempted the same way. Say, Pastor, you don't understand the temptation I went through. The Bible says, in all points, amen, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That means he was without blemish. Say, Jesus without blemish. Remember, the lamb must be without blemish. Glory to God. And Jesus was without blemish. Now, the scripture that nails it for me is 1 Peter 1 verse 19. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 19, let's read it together. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of what? A lamb without blemish and without spots. Even added that it was even better than the lamb. Amen. Not just, it's the only blemish, even spots, without spots. Say, Jesus is the Lamb of God. That take it away the sin of the whole world. So, what are the three things we've cited here? The first specification here is that it must be a lamb. Hallelujah. It must be a lamb. Glory to God. The second is that that lamb must be brought ten day, uh, the tenth day and kept for four days. Amen. And Jesus made that criteria. Is that not? The third one is that the lamb must be without blemish. And we saw the character of Jesus, even his relationship with people, that he was without blemish. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 12 verse 6. In chapter 12 verse 6, it tells us something. It says, I want to pick out the next, um, the next specification, which is the fourth one, I believe. It says, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it when? In the evening. Never say in the evening. That means that if Christ is a lamb, he also has to be killed in the evening. Amen. Are we together? 
So the fourth specification is that this lamb must be killed in the evening. Now, the Jewish timing is a bit different from how we, 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 we function. Are you understanding me? When the Jew says the first hour of the day, it means 7 a.m. in the morning. You know, in our own um, timing we use today, after 12 midnight is a new day. Are we together? Are we together? All right. So I think I was told I was born on a Friday just after 12 midnight. If it was in the Jewish calendar, my birthday is May 5th. Amen. Because, but it's May 6th because it's in the, after midnight. Now in the Jewish timing, the first hour of the day is 7 a.m. So when they say the sixth hour is 12 noon, midday, hallelujah. Are we together? So for them, evening starts by 3 p.m. Glory to God. Are we together? From 3, it's evening. Am I communicating? All right. So uh, you might hear... Then they also have what they call the, the, the first watch of the night, the second watch of the night, the third watch, and the fourth watch of the night. Now, our focus here is this. The Bible says that he was killed in the evening. He should be killed in the evening. This lamb should not be slain in the morning or in the afternoon. It must be in the evening. So let's find out when Jesus died. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew 27. I'll just hit it verse, from verse 45. We'll read to verse 50. Matthew 27, 45 to 50. Amen. Matthew 27, from 45. Watch. Are you with me? Let's read this together. I want to go. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until when? Pause. What's the sixth hour? Some of you are still not gotten the timing. I just taught you now. Which kind of class is this? <laughs> Amen. Amen. The sixth hour is 12 noon. I said the first hour of the day in the Jewish timing is 7 a.m. in the morning. That means 6 a.m. Is zero, is zero hour. <laughs> 7 a.m. is the first hour. 8 a.m. is the second hour. 9 a.m. is the third hour. So what will the sixth hour, with that calculation, what will be the sixth hour? Thank you. Clap for yourselves. <laughs> now, so understand the scripture. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Now that's not what normally happens. Are we together? That's why they're reporting it. It's not a normal thing. There was darkness over all the land until when? The ninth hour till three. The ninth hour is 3 p.m. How many of you have heard the phrase in the Bible that says, at the time of the evening sacrifice? The evening sacrifice is the time of Jesus' death. Amen. Let me just touch some things a little. Why was Elijah waiting until the time of the evening sacrifice before he performed his own? Amen. 
Remember Elijah and the, Baal, and, the, and the prophets of Baal? Amen. When they were shedding blood and doing all things, the Bible said he waited until the time of the evening sacrifice. Are we together? Because it had to coincide with this. So what Elijah was doing, there's a symbolism in it. Are you listening to me? All right, but now, so from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. Read. And about the ninth hour, follow me, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani. This is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Verse 47. Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, that said, this man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on the, on the reed and gave him to drink. 49. The rest said, let's be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Verse 50, which is the last. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, what did he do? Yielded up the ghost. That was the ninth hour. Amen. So Jesus died in the evening. Amen. To prove that the lamb must be killed in the evening. Glory to God. The next, which is the fifth one, am I correct? Is that, let's look at verse 7 of Exodus 12. It says that after killing the lamb, you must take the blood. Hallelujah. You shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the upper door. Two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So, the next thing about the lamb, the specification is that the blood of that lamb is useful. Amen. So if Jesus is the lamb, his blood has to be useful. Is that not so? Glory to God. And let me just go ahead of myself. You know that the core of that Passover ceremony was what the blood was going to do. Am I communicating? The blood was their deliverance. It was their refuge. The blood was their shield because death was coming. Hallelujah. Remember that God had been sending plagues to Egypt. There have been nine plagues. This one was the final one. The tenth plague. And every firstborn son will go. He didn't say every firstborn son of the Egyptians alone. No. This one was across the land. Remember that the previous plagues that plagued them were happening in the area where the Egyptians live. Lekki. <laughs> Banana Island. Then, where the Jews were living was called Goshen. They were not having the experience. When the frogs were jumping all over the place, those in Goshen were not having the experience. When there was darkness in, in this, they were not having the experience. Listen to me, this year you will not have the same experience. No, 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 no. I said you will not. If, if people, people that were dealing with animal blood, are you understanding me? That didn't have the same kind of covenant that you have, that didn't partake of the dead burial resurrection of Jesus like you, were sealed and protected, how much more you? Amen. So I want to say to you, 
their experience will not be your experience. So they were not going through the same thing. So, but this tenth one was widespread. It was all over the land. So God said, the only way you can hide from this one is by blood. Tomorrow I'll talk about blood. It's by blood. It's by blood. The only way is by blood. You will put the blood on the doorpost, on the sides and on the top. Then when death comes, he will pass over. Now, I don't have to tell death what to do. He will pass anywhere there is blood. In essence, this lamb that you are slaying, the blood of this lamb will have atoning value. The blood of this lamb will be able to protect the liver and save you from the coming judgment. That was judgment. I hope you know that. So if Jesus Christ is the lamb, amen, his blood also should be able to save you from judgment. Are we together? I go back to John 1.29. In John 1.29, what did John say? The next day, John saw Jesus coming and said what? Behold the Lamb of God that, do, that does what? That taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. That means that the judgment that would have come on you, Jesus has already taken it. The blood of that Lamb was useful. And the blood of Jesus is still useful to us. Amen. Number six, specification given. Was that the lamb, Exodus 12, 8. Exodus 12, 8. Pointing that that lamb was Jesus. It says there, and they shall eat the flesh in that night. My focus is not what the children of Israel are doing. My focus is the lamb. Amen. Okay, so stay with me. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with what? Ever say roast. And unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Now, the issue is that the body of that lamb must be roasted. Not cooked. What, what other way do they prepare something? Not, not even fried. Amen. You know, some of you are friars. No. He said roasted. Roasted. Fire must directly touch it. What does that roasting symbolize? Hallelujah. The fire is the wrath of God. Hallelujah. Are we together? That we come upon that flesh. That means that if he is the lamb, God's wrath will come upon him. Amen. God's anger will be visited on him. In Isaiah 52, um, give me verse 14. In Isaiah 52, the Bible tells us what Jesus looked like on the cross. He said, As many were astonished at thee, people were shocked. Why? His visage, everybody say his visage was so mad more than any man. It was like he was disfigured. His form more than the sons of men. Why? Why? Because of the judgment, the wrath of God that came upon him. That anger of God that the Bible talks about that 
by a blast of God's nostrils, he parted the Red Sea. Now, Vexo, sea parted. That anger, God poured it out on Jesus Christ so that it will not come on you. Are you listening to me? So, Jesus on that cross, the Bible said his visage was so mad. That's why Jesus cried at a point where he said, I test. Why, why was he testing? He was roasting under the wrath of God. Remember when the guy came and put vinegar and put for him to drink? He said, I test. Why was his throat so dry? The wrath of God. The fire of God's judgment came upon Jesus. So that the righteousness of God and his love will come upon you. No, you didn't get it. I said the judgment of God came upon Jesus. So that the love and mercy of God will come upon you. If the judgment changed his visage, he was so mad more than the sons of men, imagine what his mercy will do to your own visage. Amen. And his love will do to you. Amen. Glory to God. Are we together? So we saw Jesus roasted on the cross. Hallelujah. Let me read verse 11 of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 11. It says, God shall see of the travail of Jesus' soul and shall be satisfied. That means he will cry out in pain and God will be satisfied. Amen. God will derive satisfaction in visiting Jesus with judgment. Hallelujah. So that you will be free. Say, my sins are forgiven. Say again, my sins are forgiven. You know, some people think that when they, we talk about sins forgiven, it means that God, you know, before God is to, you know, God is to take things serious. God is not taking things serious again. No. You are missing the point. God is not funky now. God has not become modernized. No, that's not what happened. What happened is that God has been appeased. Are you listening to me? His wrath, his anger has been appeased. So, that thing that he said he will do to a man that will sin, he has done it. Oh, you didn't hear me, you didn't hear me. He said the soul that sinned shall die. That the wages, the salary for sin is death. He has paid it. Jesus came and took the wages of sin on the cross. And what is left that God has is the gift. Amen. Which is eternal life available to you. So, the payment, full payment for sin has been made. Say, how much are they owing? Say, um, they're owing, um, they're owing debt. God went and paid. Is there anything they're owing? No. That's how you became free. There is therefore now no condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death.
The seventh specification given, and I'll end here, verse 10 of Exodus 12. And ye shall let nothing of it remain. The lambs, you know, you eat part of it. They will eat it, sorry. The lamb, the roasted lamb. It says, but you will not allow any of it remain. And that which remaineth of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Amen. Are we together? That means the body must not remain. It must not remain until morning. John 19, verse 31. Are you there? It says there, the Jews therefore, now after Jesus was dead, um, killed or died on the cross, after he dismissed his spirit on the cross, look at what happened. The Jews therefore, he was hanging on the cross. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross. Did you see that? That his body should not remain on the cross. On the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. That means that the body of Jesus was not kept on the cross till morning. They normally do that. Crucifixion is that they will leave you there until you die. Are you understanding me? You didn't hear me well. They will leave you there until you die. Amen. Now, but at that moment, based on the timing of when they put them on the cross, they were not expecting them to die that soon. Are we together? You know that the other two guys that they put there were not dead. Are we together? They didn't die. For prophecy to be fulfilled that he will not remain until morning, one. Number two, that his bones will not be broken. He dismissed his spirits. So, on the cross, the soldiers were surprised when they came and saw that Jesus is dead already. How can he be dead now? You know, they're enjoying it. <laughs> this one is crying. He's calling his mother. <laughs> He's calling his mother. This one is singing a song. You know, if it was in our day, they're taking selfie with the people that are on the cross. Are you understanding me? Taking selfie with them. Enjoying it. Soldiers have been brutal since. So they were shocked. Just um, go to verse 38. Verse 38. They said, look at it. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but strictly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus and Pilate and gave, uh, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. So Jesus' body was removed. Amen. So that it will not stay till morning to fulfill the fact that the lamb's body will not be left until morning. I didn't add this one, but his bones also were not broken. Amen. When they came, the other two guys, they broke their legs. When they came to Jesus, his bones, they would have broken it. But that the scripture might be fulfilled. Because in the sacrifice of the lamb, the bone is not supposed to be broken. Amen. And so the bones of Jesus were also not broken. Amen. Instead, they pierced him by the side. Are we together? There are two things about Jesus. He was striped and pierced. Amen. Are we together? He was striped and pierced. 
Are we together? So if you read in Zechariah, he's called the pierced one. And then we read in Isaiah, he said, by his stripes we were healed. That's why if you see that bread, they use the unleavened bread. It has stripes and piercings. Amen. Because it's symbolic of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why am I sharing all this with you? I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know that that lamb that the Jews were partaking of in Passover is Christ for us today. To them, they were eating a meal. To us, we are partaking of what Jesus' death has wrought for us. That means when the Bible says Christ, our Passover, Christ is my Passover. His body was broken for me. Amen. He has taken judgment on, on my behalf. Hallelujah. And his blood was shed for me. And because of his blood, death has passed over me. No, no, you didn't get it. Because of his blood, judgments, the judgment I deserve have passed over me. There are some of you here, you think that the reason why you are sick is because of a judgment. Amen. Oh, the reason why something is not going in your life is because of something you did that is making that to happen. Now, let me explain something to you. The day you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there is nothing that has a legitimate right to judge you or put a judgment on you. That's why the Bible says that, you know that scripture in Isaiah 54? It says that every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you're talking about, I said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me. It's an Old Testament scripture, but it's talking about the benefits that come from the new covenant. Amen. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Why? Blood is speaking for you. Every tongue risen against you in judgment is condemned. Why? Because blood is speaking for you. Am I communicating? Now, there is no reason why there should be sickness in your body. You didn't hear me? I said there is no reason why there should be sickness in your body. There is no reason why you should be going through, say, life has just been hard for me because of something my grandfather did, that my father did, and so, so did. What about the one Jesus did, sir? Amen. No, I'm asking, what about the one Jesus did? I said, what about the one Jesus did? Did your grandfather die for your sins? Did your grandfather, was your grandfather raised again for, for you? No, 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 Jesus died for your sins. Are you with me? Oh, I love something uh, a, um, a man of God said that really blessed me. You know, I think, I think it was Reverend Tendi that said that. He said, look, if Satan wants his will to happen in your life, he has to go and die first. Because a will cannot be enforced without the death of the testator. The testator has to die for his will. So Jesus wanted his will for you, which is healing, to be enforced. What did he do? He went and died. And because of his death, his will has been enforced in your life. So if Satan wants his own will to be enforced, let him go and die. Since he can't go and die, his will cannot be enforced in your life. 
your experience in life will be God's will. Your experience in life will be God's will. Today, make up your mind. I refuse to be sick. You know why? Because it's not God's will. Make up your mind. I refuse to be broke. You know, it's not about my mates. It has nothing to do with your mates. Even if all your mates are poor, refuse to be poor. Because it's not, it's not in the will. Amen. Oh, say, so, well, 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 well. Eh, eh, eh. I want to live long, you know, because, you know. You know, eh, no, listen, you know, some people give excuses and the conviction is not really strong. Amen. Say, so, God forbid I will not die. It's not my time. It's not my time. Go and ask people that died if it was their time. Amen. It's not about whether it's your time or it's not your time. Sometimes Satan comes when it's not your time. Amen. <laughs> Are you understanding me? He will try his luck when it's not your time. You are the one that is saying, hey, it's not my time and I'm going nowhere. I am enforcing the will, amen, of the one that died and rose again for me, amen. It's only his will that will play out in my life. Today, God's will will be enforced in your body. Be enforced in your career. Amen. Be enforced in your marriage. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Say, Christ, Christ is my Passover. He's, he was slain for me. His ju my, my judgment came upon him. You know what that means? The sickness that was packaged for you, Jesus took it. The arthritis that was packaged for you, your grandfather, your, grand, your father, and now for you, Jesus took it. Amen. There's this phrase that young people use. I saw it on, on social media. They say, continue doing that thing you're doing. That the thunder that's coming for you is doing press-up in Sambisa. <laughs> now, the judgment that was packaged in Sambisa for you, Jesus took it. Are you with me? I said Jesus took it. Now let me say something to you. If there's any judgment you are holding, you are conscious, it's not your own. I said it's not your own. If there's anything you are carrying, it's not your own. Today you will lay it aside. Say, so, well, this is my waist pain. No, it's not your waist pain. Amen. Ephesians chapter what? John chapter what? If it's your waist pain, you have to claim it from scripture. According to the scriptures, in the book of Ephesians chapter 10, the Lord has blessed me with a waist pain. <laughs> what I read in scripture is that Christ has redeemed you. From, from what? The curse. The curse of the law is any consequence of not obeying the law. Do you hear me? Yes, 
consequence of not obeying the law. Christ. Now, you don't understand redeem. Redeem is not that Christ came and said, come, let's go. No, he paid. That means there was a transaction that was carried out for your freedom. Are you hearing me? There was a transaction that was carried out for your freedom. It's not lip service. Something was done. Money has been paid. It's not physical money now. It's blood. The currency that God had to trade for you to be free is his own blood. So Christ has redeemed you from the consequences of the law. Amen. That the blessing of Abraham not the sickness of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham might come on you. Today, you will walk out of this place with nothing less than what the blessing of Abraham has provided for you. Nothing less. Rise on your feet everywhere. Say nothing less. I know his name. <laughs> I know his name. His name. Again. I know his name. Again. I know his name. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message of faith around the world by the power of the Holy